Well, hey, welcome again. I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we kicked off a series last week called Factory Reset. And I know um, that every single one of us in here needs some type of reset in certain aspects of our life, or maybe many aspects of our lives. And so it's a three-part series. Last week, we talked about what it looks like to, to have a physical reset. And the main idea was, what does it look like for us to live our lives as a living sacrifice, to live our lives that, in, in a way that's, that's holy and acceptable, where every part of us is in full surrender and full sacrifice to glorify and honor God with our physical lives. Today, we're going to talk about something that um, is, is probably relevant to everybody in this room. It's definitely a big uh, issue in our, in our nation and our society and the world that we live in. But what does it look like to have a, a mental reset? Our minds are powerful and our minds, uh, they need a reset, right? And so next week, we'll talk about the spiritual reset that we all need. But I want to uh, do something a little bit different today, kind of a, a different flow, different style for me at least. Um, but I think that this is where God has led me today. And so the first part of the message, I'm going to lay it all out for you right now, is I want to talk about why we need a mental reset, like, like what's, what's happening, some of the things. And, and I really don't need to probably go through a lot because you all know uh, what's going on in your mind and why you need a, rent, a mental reset. Then I want to talk about the importance of it, the significance of why we need a mental reset. And then the last part, which is going to be where we spend most of our time, I want to give you some application. I want to give you some things that, that you can take from God's word and begin to apply it to your life starting right now in this moment and, and, and move forward living that out and having the, the, the truth of God's word applied to your life to help you have a mental reset. And so um, there's really kind of three categories that I've broken it down to. I believe there's more, but, but I think three of the major ones in regards to our minds needing a reset is, is, is the obvious um, mental health, right? Mental health is at, a, is, is at an all-time high in our society, and, and it's, it's, it's detrimental to, to people's lives, and, and, and it's not their fault. It's not, you know, if you struggle with mental health, it's nothing that, that, that you do. It's not that you're less than, but, 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 but mental health is, is it's serious. It's real, and it's something that we got to understand. How, how do we get through that? How do we navigate? How do we reset that in, in some areas that we have no control over? And so I want to just give you a few statistics, and I would probably say it's probably higher than this when you look at statistics. Obviously, uh, there's numbers all over the place, and uh, I looked at quite a few different studies and, and, and research on this, and all I can say was the theme that, that it was high. And so here's, here's some numbers for you. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year. One in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness each year. One in six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experience mental health each year. 50% of all lifetime mental illness begins by age 14 and 75% by age 24. And suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 14. This is detrimental. This is, this is something that, that we have to do something about in the ways that we can. And this is why it's important for us to look and say, how can I reset mentally? And so, so we have this aspect of needing a mental reset because of the, the mental health that takes place. Another reason why we need a mental reset comes from the distracted mind. Many of us, if not all of us, we live filled in our minds with distractions. There was a study from Harvard 
And it said this, it said, in a study conducted with 2,250 adults, they concluded that we spend around 47% of every walking hour mind-wandering, also called stimulus-independent thoughts. Mind-wandering is an experience that's so ordinary, so natural to us, we don't even notice it. Now, I'm not one who wants to just pound and build a whole, you know, sermon or essay or write a dissertation based off statistics, but, but this is profound. 47% of our hours, that's, that's almost 30 minutes out of every hour that our mind goes to wondering about other things. It's when you're sitting at your desk and you're looking at a screen at the thing that you're supposed to be working on, but you're thinking about the issues that you're having at home in your marriage. It's when your kids are saying, mom, 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 dad, 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 and you get annoyed because they've called your name a hundred times, but you didn't answer them the first or second time because your mind was wondering somewhere else. It's when you're sitting at a stoplight and people are honking behind you because the light is green, but you're still thinking about, what do I have to do when I get home? What am I going to cook for dinner? Do I even have the groceries to do that? And can I afford eggs? Right? Like, our mind wonders. It goes to all of these different places, and it's exhausting. It consumes our minds. And so, the need for mental reset comes from Mental health, it comes from distracted minds. And then thirdly, and I don't have statistics because you all have your own, our overwhelmed minds. Like, we're overwhelmed, right? Like, like we live in this state, in this lifestyle of just being mentally drained. We're exhausted. Life is busy. Life is chaotic. We have this to do and that to do and this to do and that to do and this kid to take and this job to do and this project to finish. Like the list never ends and it's mentally exhausting. And so we have to, we have to ask ourselves, what do I got to do to reset that? Like I can't take my kids away. I can't take my grocery list away. I can't take my job away. Like I'm not saying we just shut everything down and say, okay, well, I need to be mentally free, so I'm not going to have any responsibility. So, so how, do we, how do we navigate through this life that we've created, these responsibilities that we have, all while having a healthy biblical mind? And so you, you fit into one of these three categories. If I was a gambling man, I would bet that. Maybe two. Maybe all three. Like there is a desperate need for a mental reset. And so you say, well, why is this such a big deal? Well, I don't want to stand up here and tell you a bunch of statistics and just share things that I think are relevant in our society. I want to know what, what does God, what God's word say about the mind? And so I did some study and I was looking at, at, at the, the, the mention of the word mind. Obviously, we have God's word, the Old Testament written in Hebrew, the New Testament Greek and Aramaic, and, and, and it's translated into English. And, and some of those translations, the, the words are a little bit different. The meaning's a little bit different. It still kind of shares the same story. There's no contraindication. God's word is, is, is translated and we can stand on it and believe it. But I was looking in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, of the word mind, and I want to get just a little nerdy with you. I only usually share one Greek or Hebrew word if I'm trying to prove a point, but I want to share three Hebrew words with you today, and we're going to do it quickly, because from my study, there was at least five different Hebrew words that translated into the same word that we say in English, the mind. And those Hebrew words actually had a different meaning. 
And I'm going to show you this and explain if you're not following me. There was one, uh, several passages in the Old Testament where when you saw the word mind, as I'm reading it, as you would read it, and you pulled the Hebrew word out that it was translated, one of the words was leb. You can write this down if you want, L-E-B. And that Hebrew word was actually translated heart. Then in several other passages in the Old Testament, there was a, a Hebrew word called nepesh. That word, where we see the word mind, was actually translated soul. And then there was a third, there were five that I found, but I'll just share these three. That there was a word where I saw the word mind, I looked at what the Hebrew word, and it was actually the Hebrew word ruach, which meant spirit. Why am I telling you three Hebrew words in regards to the mind? Because I want you to understand from God's word that the mind is not just something that is in between our ears. It's translated heart. It's translated soul. It's translated spirit. It means that our mind encompasses all of who we are. And so we've got to figure out, how can I reset that? How can I get away from all of this overwhelmed stuff that I'm thinking about? How can I get away from all of the distractions that I have in my mind? How can I get help from God's word with my mental health, with my anxiety, with my depression? Like, how can I hit the reset button the best way that I know can from, the best way I know from God's word so that I can understand and live in a way that I know is pleasing to God, that I know I'm stepping into who God wants me to be. And this isn't three weeks of separated messages. Like like last week, to live as a living sacrifice? We looked at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. What did did verse 2 say? We talked about being conformed versus transformed. And he actually said, to be transformed, it's actually from a renewing of your mind. I can't live my life as a living sacrifice, holy, pure, and acceptable, in full surrender to God physically if my mind has not been renewed or reset. So it encompasses all of who we are. So what do we do, right? What do we do? And please, if you've heard this or tried to pull this from what I'm saying and say, well, Brian, what are you saying? Mental health, I can just hit the reset button? No, please, please don't hear me say that. But there are things that we can do from God's word where where we can reset some of the things in our mind. And so I have five things for you today. I'm going to go fast, okay? I don't have just one passage that I'm going to stay in. I'm uh, I'm going to bounce around a little bit and kind of drive in a couple verses with each point. And so I'd love for you to take notes. Again, I wish we had it on your screen for you to take a picture, but, but write these things down. And two of them are reminders, and three of them are just very direct application that we can apply to our lives, okay? And the first thing, as we talk about hitting this reset button mentally, as we look at what this looks like, I have a reminder for you. The reminder is, we are in a battle. We are in a battle. Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I talk to people often, and they say, well, I don't really know if I understand or even believe in spiritual warfare. You're trying to say that this is coming from somewhere else, but I see it as a physical problem, and I see this. Listen, spiritual warfare is real, and we are in a battle. Don't you think that the enemy knows what the Hebrew words say about our mind? He wants to attack our minds because he knows that if he can attack this, he can change the trajectory of our entire lives. And we're in a battle. 
And maybe you're here, you say, yeah, I understand that. I've read that verse before. I believe that I'm in a battle. I understand this. I know this. But yet we live as if we don't. We live as if we're not in a battle. There is a real enemy who wants to cause you real problems, who wants to really destroy your life. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Like he is after you and I and our kids and our families and everybody else in this world. He wants to corrupt our minds. And you say, well, Brian, why are we talking about this? Like, I get it, I understand it, but yet we don't. We don't, and I'm guilty. Like, can I give you an exaggerated example? If all of our phones rang right now in this moment, because something just happened in our world where World War III broke out, and they started drafting, and every single one of us get a phone call right now, hey, you're in the Army now, son, like, we're getting drafted. And we go to wherever they tell us, and they put us on an airplane, and they take us to this battlefield. They give us our weapons. They give us our armor, and they say, I want you to go to the mission field, but be careful. The enemy is out there. None of us would walk around on the battlefield with our guards down. None of us would walk around with our minds distracted. None of us would walk around not paying attention because we know there's a real enemy lurking, and he wants to cause us damage. But yet, We don't live that way spiritually. We don't live our lives that way. We don't live as if we are living on a battlefield. I'm not saying that we live in fear. I'm not saying that we're paranoid all the time. What I'm saying is we've got to be suited up. We've got to have our armor on. And it starts with our minds. The way that we think. The way that we see things. Understanding, maybe my wife doesn't hate me because of the argument that we had, but the enemy is trying, trying to destroy my home. Because when my marriage is off, my relationship with my kids are off. When those are off, my relationship at work is off. When that's off, my relationship with my coworkers are off. It just trickles down. He wants to destroy us. And we will never be able to reset mentally if we live with the mentality that we are not in battle. We are in war. And he wants to destroy you. And Jesus says, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. I came to give life and give it abundantly. That's the mental reset. Does the enemy have power? Absolutely. Does he have more power than our Savior? No way, baby. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We've got to live in that and stay connected to that. Like We've got to reset our minds and we've got to understand that we are in a battle. Number two. I told you I'd go fast. Don't get excited, though. This is my favorite one. Create a healthy thought life. Write that down. Create a healthy thought life or thought pattern, whatever word you want to use there. I'll give you a couple verses, 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Then Philippians 4, verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Think about those things. I think one of the biggest problems that I see mentally in our society in regards to what we can control, is what I would call self-sabotage. We destroy ourselves on our own. It's you versus you most of the time. 
And we destroy ourselves by the way that we think. We allow those things to come that are not from Christ, that come from this world, that are filled with doubt, shame, guilt, lies that come from the pit of hell to consume our minds. And what happens? The thought comes into our mind. The thought then goes to our heart. Our heart becomes actions. Our actions become habits. And our habits become our lifestyle, meaning it's what we actually believe about ourselves. We self-sabotage because we allow the enemy to come and destroy us and plant a thought into our mind or allow us to, to think a certain way or think that something is okay or twist the truth. And now he's got you right where he wants you because he knows if I can cause and help and, and put fuel on an unhealthy thought pattern, I can impact their whole life. You understand what I'm saying? Like, we cannot allow thoughts that are unhealthy and are not from God to live here because it doesn't stay here. It impacts everything. Like, my, my favorite verse, I just read it in regards to the mind, is 2 Corinthians 10.5. What he's saying is, if any thought comes into your mind that is not from God, that does not come from God, that does not match God, that doesn't go in line and match what his word says, we are to take that thought captive. Meaning, I'm not going to allow a thought to fester here. I'm not going to allow a thought to penetrate here. I'm not going to allow a thought to leave here and go to here and then come out in my life. I'm going to capture it. And then what am I going to do? I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. You say, well, what the world does that mean? It means when the thought comes across your mind that says, I'm not good enough. I'll never be a good mom. I'll never be a good dad. I'll never be a good husband. I'll never be a good anything. You say, no, no, no. I'm going to take that captive because I know what God's word says. And it says that I am created in the image of God and I am a masterpiece. When the thought comes across your mind and it says, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I'm tired of feeling isolated. I'm tired of feeling alone. You take it captive and you say oh no my God he will never leave me nor forsake me he will go with me he is for me I may walk through the fire but I'm going to keep going we take the things that come from this world we capture it we make it obedient to Christ I have no worth I have no purpose I have no value oh no baby yes you do I knew you in your mother's womb I know the hairs on your head I created you I knitted you we don't allow the world to tell us who we are like we've got to take it captive and so often we don't and we live there and we believe that crap and it destroys your life like this is why it's so important to know what this says in order to know what a lie is you must know what the truth is and I can't allow the world to tell me who I am if I don't know who God tells me I am because the world is loud, and it's everywhere, and it tells you that this is okay, and that's okay, and that's who you are, and you'll always be that way. Yeah, you remember 30 years ago, your parents, yeah, they had 12 divorces, you will too. You remember when, 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 when your parents never spend any time with you? Yeah, you'll be the same crappy parent as they were. You remember when, when you believe, like, it goes on and on and on. We have to know the truth so that we can take the thoughts from the world captive and make it obedient. One of the most powerful statements I ever heard on the mind 
I've preached this before. It's simple but profound. And it says this, what follows I am follows you. Think about that for a second. What follows I am follows you. I am not good enough. That's going to follow you. I am never going to be anything. It follows you. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I am created in the image of God. I am purposeful. I am worthy. Those are the I, the things that follow I am will follow you. You have to create a healthy thought pattern that goes in line with what God says about you. Do not let the enemy get into your mind and make you believe something that doesn't line up with who God says you are. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number three. Rest and disconnect. If we want a mental reset, we've got to rest and disconnect. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mark 1, 35, I'll give you one more. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So one passage, Jesus is telling the disciples what to do and telling people what to do, and then another verse, he's showing them what to do. And I think about how crazy our lives are and how busy we are and how consumed we are, how chaotic it is, and we never have time to to just rest. We never just disconnect from anything. As I look through Scripture, not just two verses, I see this everywhere. You know what it's called? It's called Sabbath. It's called a Sabbath. I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about the Sabbath, but I think about how often we neglect taking care of ourselves so that we can be the best version of who God has called us and created us to be. And so many of you need a mental reset. You're so exhausted and weary and overwhelmed because you're burning from both ends and you never take time to get rest. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't. Like when I used to work, I used to work for the military and I didn't plan this. I never even thought about this. I don't know why the Lord just laid this on my heart. So hopefully I don't mess it up, but... I was a nurse for the Army, and, and uh, I, was, I was down in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and there's a big uh, special forces group there, and uh, JSOC, some, some, some special guys. I call them secret squirrels, but uh, there's probably some of y'all in here. But anyways, <laughs> they, w- they would tell me about these courses that they would go through, and, and one I think was called Sears School. It was like survival school. And, and basically, the, the gist of it is they put you out, no water, no food, and they, and they put you in survival mode. And, and one of the goals was, how can I get to this, th- th- this person, this soldier, into the most exhausted and mentally, you know, uh, frustrated or, or where they can't think, cl- you know, clearly and straight? Like, how can I get to this person where they're, they're literally on the edge of, of they're surviving and them still do what they're supposed to do? And, and they would tell me how tough it was. But as I think about that, like, basically, can you make a rational decision when you have been without food for three days and been locked up in a box and, you know, somebody's beating on you and questioning you and interrogating you? Like, can you make, like, this is what happens to us. We don't rest. We don't disconnect. Our minds are so just bogged down and overwhelmed and, and filled with everything that we get to a place where we can't actually make rational decisions. 
because there's no capacity. There's no room. And then when you come into church and you hear people, a pastor or a preacher say, hey, we got to go share the gospel. We got to go help those in need. We don't have any capacity to do it because our minds are so overwhelmed. I can't help you. I got to be here in five minutes. And then after that, I got to be somewhere else in 10 minutes. Like we're so busy and mentally overwhelmed that we miss out on more and more and more of what God wants to show us. We got to rest and disconnect. As I think about this term Sabbath, our society, it's funny how, how people who don't believe in Christ take biblical principles all the time, especially in leadership. I'm like, oh, where'd you hear that from? Yeah, I'll show you. But, but they've taken this idea of Sabbath and they've turned it into something else. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that, that some of you are gonna like and others not. But, but it's this idea of self-care. Self-care. And I'll just say while you're like, well, what's gonna, I'm a proponent for it. I, I support it but not in the way society says to, okay? Society says self-care, it's all about you. It's entitlement. I deserve this. I, I, I'm owned it. And then, then we go and, and we walk around Target for two and a half hours and we spend money we don't have because we are entitled to that. I've been working all week. I've been taking care of kids. I'm going to Target. Or men, we go. We haven't spent any time with our wives or our kids or anything else. And so I'm going to the golf course. And we go and we spend four hours hitting the golf ball. And letting out our frustrations. And then ultimately, your game is horrible, so you're more frustrated, right? <laughs> and ladies, it actually takes six hours to play, not four. Don't, don't believe four, okay? <laughs> but, but we go. And I'm not saying Target's bad. I'm not saying golf is bad. But the point of self-care is actually not about what you are entitled to or what you think you deserve or what you want to do. The goal of self-care is how can I get to a place to connect with the Father? Jesus told them, if you're weary and exhausted and burdened, what do I want you to do? I want you to come to me. Not only that, he modeled it. He went and he connected with the Father. He said, look, I got to get away from people. That's what he was doing. He said, I, I, got, I got to get away, so I'm, go, I'm getting up early before anybody else. I'm going on the mountain. I'm going to a desolate place so that I connect, connect, can connect with the Father. So ladies, and if there's a few of you guys in here, don't tell me. I'll pick you on you, but if you're walking around Target for two hours because you need some therapy, go for it. Spend time praying while you're doing it. You want to get away from people? Just walk around praying out loud. I promise you, people will run away from you, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know who this crazy woman is, but... She got her Starbucks and her Target cart, bro, and she just talking out loud. Like, you get all the self-care you want. Men, you're on the golf course, shooting range, watching a game, playing a video, whatever it is. God, while I'm enjoying this thing that you've created, while I have this free time to just clear my mind, will you reveal something in me right now as I'm out here playing golf or doing this or doing that that I know I need to remove from my life? Like, it's, it's not that God doesn't, have a desire and want us to do things we enjoy. But so often, self-care is not just a, a, a I'm going to check out and, and, and disappear and pretend what I'm leaving is no longer here, and we leave for three or four hours, and we jump right back in, and nothing has changed. Our minds are still consumed, they're still overwhelmed, and we walk right back into it. The goal of self-care is, okay, there's a lot going on, and I need a break. I need a breather. I need to get away from this. I'm going to get away. I'm going to disconnect, but I'm going to reconnect, and I'm going to come back in a better headspace than I was so that we can address the situation or whatever it is 
from a perspective that God wants. And so, self-care, I'm for it, baby. Go do it. Go walk around Target. If it's in the budget, do it, right? Like, but I know how Target goes. I'm just going to get one thing. Yeah, all right. Well, why am I helping you unload the van, right? Like, like I, I, and y'all ladies are probably like, well, what about y'all, right? Like, listen, we got to rest and we got to disconnect. The, the, the world is loud. The voices are loud. The chaos is, is, is overwhelming. We got to be able to disconnect and we got to be able to rest. Take a nap. Take a nap. Jesus did. And Pastor Jay said, amen. Right? <laughs> like, find ways to disconnect from the chaos so that we can hit the reset button right here. All right? The last one. I'm almost done. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. Number four. <laughs> what time is it? All right. We're good. We're good. The movie starts at 1130, so we'll just roll right into the previews. Just kidding. There's no projector. <laughs> Number four, stay in community. Stay in community. There's a verse, Galatians 6.2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'll give you an example to try to drive this in a little bit. Have you ever had a lot on your mind and you called that one friend up and you just, you just let them have it? They have nothing to do with anything, but you just like, bleh. You just, you just said everything that was on your mind, and you were like, oh, that felt better, right? Like, you just vented. I'm not talking about calling to gossip. I'm not talking about calling to be negative, but like, you had a lot on your mind. You needed to get it off. You shared it with someone who maybe didn't fully understand what was happening, but you knew that they would listen. You knew that they would pray for you. You knew that they would give you wise biblical counsel, and you felt better. That's community. When we talk about factory design, that's the way you and I were created. We were created to be in community with other people. But what happens, and this is a ploy from the enemy, I'm telling you, when we get overwhelmed and our minds are just all over the place, our natural tendency is to isolate and shut down. And you are carrying weight and burdens you were never created to carry on your own. We were built for community we were created to help each other, to say, hey, I want you to know I'm overwhelmed. I want you to know this is happening. I need your advice in this place. We're carrying each other's burdens. I know you're overwhelmed. Okay, cool. I got you. I'm bringing dinner tonight. Hey, you need a break? You need to go to Target? Bring your kids over. I'll watch them. But in tomorrow, come get mine so I can go. Amen? <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's helping each other. It's, it's being a community. And so often we, we, we want to show up on a, on a Sunday and then go about our weeks and never have fellowship with other people. Like we're built for that. We're created. If you don't believe me, just read the story of creation in Genesis. The land and the sea, it was good. The sun and the moon, it was good. The sky, it was good. Animals, it was good. Man, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created woman. Why? So they could be in community. Like we're created for that. We have what we call city groups. And they meet at homes. We meet in different places where, where we do life with each other. We, we take this mass gathering into small circles. If I ask you right now, hey, anybody want to share what's on your heart? Stand up and tell me, <laughs> right? None of y'all would. Maybe a couple of you, but y'all are like me. <laughs> there we go. Then. <laughs> Awesome. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but, but for the most part, nobody's going nobody's gonna to stand up and say, hey, 
Our marriage is crumbling. And because I lied to my wife, X, Y, Z, nobody's going to stand up and say, hey, I have an addiction to porn and I need help. Like, we take this into smaller places where we build relationships with other people, where we develop trust with other people so that we don't have to feel isolated when we're mentally and physically and all the way around exhausted and overwhelmed. We have people who are sitting in a living room who know us, who care about us, who have our best interests, and I can say, I'm burdened and I need your help. This is, this is what God has created us for. Because he knows that, that if we can't be healthy, how can we go reach a lost and dying world? Like we, we've got to be healthy. This is why we're talking about resetting so that we can go into this year being all that we can, being the people that God has called us to be, being the church that God has called us to be. And we all got work to do in all capacities, in our own lives, in our church, like everywhere. We want to strive to be who God wants us to be. But we can't do it alone. We can't. You want to bring back my spiritual warfare principle again? Who does the enemy attack when there's a herd of animals? The one who's been left behind. The one who's walking out, not paying attention by themselves. Boom, they're gone. They're not going to come and try to destroy one in a pack of 100. Now, I'm not saying he's not still after us, but it's a whole lot easier to fight the battle when you have troops that are rallying around you, helping you go to war. All right? We good? Rest, disconnect, healthy thought pattern. No, 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 that you are in a battle. Get in community. Number five, real quick, God cares. You say, well, no duh. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe that God, God cares? Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and rescue those who are crushed in spirit. Remember when I told you the word mind? The Hebrew word was ruach, spirit. Those who are crushed in their mind. He's close to you because he cares for you. And then 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And sometimes I think we get into this mindset that that God doesn't care about this stuff, especially in the mental health world. Like those who struggle with mental health, you're not less than. You're not defective. It's not your fault. Like God cares about what you're facing. And he wants to help you. He wants you to find the mental rest and reset in him. Sometimes I, I look at my life and I'm like, I'm just mentally overwhelmed. And I say, but I don't think God cares about that because I'm the one who brought most of this stuff on myself. <laughs> I got 42 kids, seven jobs. Like, you did it, Brian. Brian. So far from the truth. Did I do it? Yeah. God still cares about that. He cares about all of those things. He cares about your mind being overwhelmed. He cares about your mind being distracted. 
He cares about your depression. He cares about your anxiety. He cares about your trauma from a past experience. He cares, and he wants you to come to him. Why? Because he's close to the brokenhearted. Come to him. Come to him. Understand we're in a real battle. There's a real enemy who wants you. He wants to destroy your life. Don't let him give you unhealthy thoughts that penetrate into your heart. Take him captive. Make him obedient to Christ. Rest. Disconnect. Find people you can do life with. And know God cares about every single detail of your life. He cares. So as we close today, Where are you at mentally? Some of you walked in here not in a good headspace. You need a reset. Which of these principles do you take and apply to your life today? Which of these things do you, do you, do you focus on so that, so that you can reset your mind? God has something for each of us. He wants to push us into more and more of who he's created us to be. But it takes hitting that reset button. So let's reset mentally today. So I want to pray over you. Before I do, somebody in this room today needs to know that God cares so much about you that he sent his son to die for you. And you're mentally exhausted and worn out. Your mind is just in a really dark place because you've been navigating through life on your own. And you understand today that the enemy does have you. He has your number. But you also need to understand today, he don't stand a chance of the victory that we have in Jesus. So maybe you're here today, you don't know Jesus, you never surrendered your life. I'm not here to manipulate you or create some weird moment. But I need you to know that you and I are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. And without Him, we're separated from God forever. Because sin cannot be present in the presence of a holy God. So He sent Jesus Christ to shed His blood for you and I so that we could have life and have it abundantly. So if you don't know today, if there's any doubt today, if you can't say with a resounding yes that I know without a doubt if I leave this place today, I'm going to spend eternity with God, you need to make that decision. See, I surrender my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he came to die for me to pay a price I could not pay on my own. From this day forward, I surrender my life. I call upon the name of Jesus. You want it, you can have it. You can have it all. Here it is, I surrender. Because I know that you care. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want to do something a little different today. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you'd be honest today, you say, man, I need a mental reset. I got a lot of things on my mind. I got a lot of things going on. I want to pray for you. We just slip your hand up. I'm not going to call you out. I just, I just, want, to, just want to be able to pray for those. Say, I, I need a mental reset, man. My mind is jacked up. I need the power of God to wash over me. Hands everywhere. Father, we pray right now for these hands. We pray for the ones that are not up. Pray for our minds. 
God, I pray that you would restore it, that you would renew it so that we can be transformed by the power of your word and into the men and women that you've called us to be. God, I pray for that person who's struggling with mental health. Lord, I pray that you remind them they have a purpose. They have a calling. They have value. They have worth. And in their darkest hour, your grace is sufficient and your power that works best in their weakness. They would turn to you today. They would lean on you to understand that, to feel that, to experience that. God, I pray for the distracted mind today. Lord, that you would allow us to focus on what is pure and holy and right and just and admirable and lovely. That we would take those those rebellious thoughts that go against you, the ones that distract us, we would take them captive and we would make it obedient to who you are. And God, I pray right now for the overwhelmed mind that they they would bask in your presence to know that you offer a peace that surpasses all understanding. And they would feel that today. They would know that you are with them and for them and you care about them. And God, I pray tonight, today, for the one who doesn't know you. God, I pray they would surrender their life in this moment. They would be given new life that is found in you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the testimony that you give us. We thank you that if it's not good, you're not done. We thank you that you have a story for us, a purpose for us. Help us to reset mentally so that we can be all that we can be for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody stand up. Let's give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. Come on.